I'm Paul Landcore with PodTech.net, and on the line with me right now is Pat Tobin. He's a senior manager with Bearing Point. Pat, thank you for being here today. Great. Thank you, Paul. And today we're going to be talking about information lifecycle management and e-discovery. And I'm wondering right off the bat if you could let us know what is the ILM solution that is presented by Bearing Point and how is it directly related to e-discovery? Yeah, so Paul, as a quick background, the ILM solution has evolved over the past seven years. I mean, if we go back to the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, there was a more centralized information for storage. Since that time, since SOX has come into play and a lot of privacy and security regulation, firms have wanted to take much more controls on controlling your information from cradle to grade, basically. In addition, over the past couple of years, we've seen over 50% a year growth in data storage for companies and an explosive growth in the number of devices that people can use, such as hard drives, shared repositories, databases, etc. And clients are struggling with where is the data, how much data we have, how much can we control it. So basically what we do with our ILM solutions is try to help companies deal with, one, the growth in data, and two, try to lower their cost for sharing and managing this data across their global environment. As far as it relating to e-discovery, it relates directly to discovery because when a litigation event comes in for a client, they basically have to go out, collect all the data that's just relevant for a certain case, and then structure it very efficiently, and then produce the data and search for the data that might be relevant to that particular litigation. So when designing an ILM solution, what are some of the primary challenges you face? Yeah, there's about three key challenges. One is that firms basically have legacy data all over the place that they've had since the mainframe days to the PC days to the Internet days to the intranet days. And they're trying to balance all the data they have out there against the new data that they create and trying to come up with some framework for what do I have out there that I can control and what new data that I have. And it's a big challenge because the ways people input and use information now is much different than it used to be. So that's the first challenge. I think the second challenge is to put in an effective ILM solution, you need to have a lot of governance and agreements between IT, legal, your business units, information security, different regions and countries, and all the other constituents in a company. People that may not be used to talking to another on a regular schedule basis will need to do so. So a lot of firms are putting in some kind of governance for that. The third thing is, since this, as you can see by what I just described, it's a pretty big challenge. So firms are struggling with One, where do I start with this initiative? And two, where do I end? We usually recommend taking a risk-based approach based on perhaps who your biggest business unit is or maybe where you see the largest amount of risk or some combination of those type of factors. So if I implement an ILM program, what kind of benefits should I be expecting? The biggest thing we're seeing in the marketplace is cost reduction. A lot of the leading-edge firms in this space have basically taken an approach where they're not using all the storage that they have. So they bought storage and storage and storage and they're not using it all to capacity. And if they are using that data, they may not need all of that data. What we also work with customers within an ILM program is a records retention program that basically states, here's the documents that you really need to keep, and after a certain point, you can dispose of those records because you don't need them for business purposes. And that sort of metaphor has worked uh, in legal cases as well, as if, if you can prove that you really don't need information anymore, you can get rid of it. And as we've seen in a lot of our studies and engagements, if you have information in one place, it's probably in 50 places or 20 based on how many people have it and how often you're backing it up and what you're doing from a disaster recovery perspective. So uh, a lot of leading-edge clients are seeing a massive cost reduction, and you get a cost reduction that occurs either short-term for one year or sort of an annuity over time because you never need to use that, that data again. 
I would say the second thing, Paul, as far as benefit would go, is just you get more efficiency with people being able to find data quicker and more correctly and also more efficiently. And that's a combination of putting an ILM in a sort of enterprise search tool to access data. And what about cost reduction with e-discovery? Costs are skyrocketing there as well. What is your point of view on that topic? And what are some of the things that uh, an organization can consider to control those costs? Yes. Yeah, so, so if you follow the press, the e-discovery costs are incredibly skyrocketing for many number of reasons. One, there's more cases. Two is organizations are having a difficult time calling the data that they just need for this case. So we're seeing a lot of instances where some cases are maybe just one person having a discrimination lawsuit, but others could be a class action which involves maybe the whole company. So we're seeing that too many organizations are gathering all the data instead of the subset that they just need to look at for a specific case. So we recommend that clients look at the end-to-end process for rediscovery, and it goes all the way from a litigation hold process to making requests to the people that need to supply information, to gathering that information, to looking at it, and then to making a decision based on that information. What we're seeing is that you can get massive cost decreases if you're just pulling the information that you need to pull. In most cases now, these cases involve lawyers looking at data, and whether they're contract attorneys or offshore attorneys or wherever they are, they're basically incurring costs for every document they look at. So. Our approach is that the more documents that you look at, one, the more risk, two, the more cost that the firm's going to incur. And just one more comment on that. It's a somewhat immature space as far as technology. There's probably 10 different technology components to the business process, and there's different players in these spaces, and some of them are more mature than others. So we would recommend to clients certain areas where you would need technology to address this problem and others where you know a manual process might actually be okay because technology might be an overkill, so to speak. One of the truisms that we hear all the time is that data storage is cheap, but it's all about volume as well. There's been a phenomenal growth in the amount of data over the last five years, and that's led to increased costs for the management of that data. What can be done to help an organization in this area as well? Yeah, I think what we see in our client experiences is that in virtually every one, we're seeing a case of people doing the things they've done forever because that's, in quote, unquote, that's the way we do things. So you may see mainframe data being backed up every day for years and years and years, even though that mainframe data hasn't been accessed or used for the last five to ten years. So people are just doing what they've been doing forever and basically incurring not the most productive time because, for one, the data doesn't need to be backed up. Two, you're incurring costs. Three, a lot of these business processes involve storing data off-site at a different location and vendors that deal with that. So... If you peel back the onion as you meet with more and more of these clients, you can give them leading practices as far as here's the data that you really need to back up, and here's maybe a more a scaled way to do it as far as putting the pieces together. So there's definitely room for consolidation from that perspective. And security considerations are huge around data storage like this and e-discovery as well. What kind of safeguards can you put in place with an ILM initiative to make sure you're meeting the security requirements? So in the past, I think we've seen that the groups that were doing the storage and the groups that were doing security were somewhat segregated and siloed, the IT people being more concerned with storage and applications and the security people more concerned with maybe hardware controls and PKI and things like that. Uh, What we're seeing is a couple things. One is you've got to keep all the data secure, but two, you've got to put extra controls on the data that might have PII, personally identifiable information in there. 
as to prevent identity theft. One use case example being you really don't want to have data that's accessible by unauthorized people that has things like social security number stored and maybe someone's home address next to that. So within an IALM initiative, what we do is we design frameworks where you can look at all your information, but you can also use multiple tools and processes to safeguard the information that has this PII in there. Because there are valid employees at a company that need to access information to do business, but there's many others that don't need access and should not even have access to this information. So there's concepts like data masking, where you will not present a social security number as is to a person. You can also use advanced security algorithms to you know, just only let the file be accessible by certain individuals or by certain groups and have that integrate with your directory infrastructure. And there's also controls on, I would say, surveilling this information and not letting it get outside the company's firewalls. So we feel this is really important because it was sort of segregated in the past and not part of an overall ILM initiative. And looking ahead, how do you see this evolving over time? How do you see the market evolving over time, and how do you see solutions evolving to meet those needs? Well, there are still very large players, and there's very small players from a software perspective. There's large players that handle data storage and backup, and there's a quickly changing, I would see every 12 to 18 months, set of software players that deal with some or all of the issues that I've just spoken with you about. Some of them just surveil content and can actually quarantine it so that no one can see it or that it can be used within like a control room atmosphere. Others just do pure encryption of information. Others just take a look at one or some of the processes I described in e-discovery, so just maybe like a legal whole process. So we're still seeing a, a shaking out between the small and the large players and how those two would integrate within an overall ILM solution. Any final thoughts you want to leave with our listeners about information lifecycle management and e-discovery? I would say, Paul, that ILM is a journey, but it's a journey worth pursuing, and that if a company, large, medium, or small, goes through this journey, they're going to experience, I would say, massive cost reduction and improved efficiencies while on the ride for this journey. Great. Pat, thank you very much for taking time out today and speaking with us. Great. Thank you, Paul. Pat Tobin is a senior manager with Bearing Point.